0: This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel, according to John chapter 5, John 5. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called, in Hebrew, Beth Zadda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. And once the man... Was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. For the Word of God in Scripture, for the Word of God among us, for the Word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Because of the serious matter of our topic this morning, I don't have a cute warm up story much as, you know, I enjoy one of those. So we'll get right into the text this morning, and there are some specifics mentioned in our text about the city of Jerusalem, which in a way imagines that the reader is familiar with the city, but by the time this text, the Gospel of John, is written, and there are people who can read it, Jerusalem has already been destroyed late 1st century. And so we're getting a glimpse of what was, thanks to these textual references. And the only mention of this pool named Bethsaata, or Bethesda, the Sheep Gate, in the entire Bible, is, is right here in John chapter 5. And it points out that the gate had five porticoes. Now, incidentally, an archaeological team discovered this site 150 years ago, 1871, and they found it had, as described, five porticoes. And so here we are in the text. In Jerusalem, the holy city built this splendor to reflect the will and the way of God. And because it was such a special place, a lot of the buildings and architecture reflected some of the values, some of the stories, some of the symbols that were meaningful to the people at that time. And so it may be that it meant something that there were five of those porticos. What might that number five have reflected? This is a guess, but maybe the five books of Moses might have been reflective of what was considered the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And it was reflecting the will and the way of God as Handed down to them through Moses. And yet, despite all of this architectural grandeur, we're given a glimpse here in our text of some of the underside of their society. In or near this pool, we read like many were sick, blind, lame, or paralyzed. And so the promise of the children of Israel, who understood themselves as the people of God, founded on love of neighbor and care for the poor, reflected in the very architecture around them, and somehow failed to live up to that promise. And of course, it's also true that our nation's capital has plenty of archaeological splendor. If you've had the privilege of visiting there, perhaps you've seen the Washington Monument the Lincoln Memorial, the Capitol building itself—just to name a few—all in homage to the heritage of this great nation, built on the promise of those famous words captured in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident: that all men are created equal; that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I Many of us know those words by heart. And yet, despite those words, despite that archaeological grandeur, there are too many lying in pools of blood in the wake of yet another tragedy simply because of the color of their skin. Just eight days ago, in Buffalo, some black folks were just going about their day, about shopping, deciding which cereal to pick, or which vegetables to take home. And their world shattered by gunfire, and ten of them never came home. Aaron Salter, Ruth Whitfield, Roberta Drury, Hayward Patterson, Margus Morrison, Geraldine Talley, Celestine Cheney. Catherine Massey, Andre McNeil, and Pearl Young. Pearl was 77 years old. She loved singing, dancing, and being with family. She was a mother, grandmother, and missionary. For 25 years, she ran a food pantry where every Saturday she fed people in Central Park. And last weekend, she was killed simply trying to feed herself. This violence, rooted in hatred, was fueled by someone who believed falsely that white folks are superior. Who believed falsely that people of color are out to replace white folks. Who believed falsely that violence was the way to solve this misperceived situation. And he also believed, falsely, that his actions were justifiable, righteous even. I mean, let that sink in. It's hard to fathom, but that is so real.
1: And so as Jesus approaches the man in our text
0: who is suffering, was at the bottom of the social ladder and asks him a question, I believe it is the question facing many who are at the top the social ladder in our country. A question facing white America today. Do you want to be made well? And before you can be made well, you have to see and be aware of your condition. And here is our condition, speaking to those of us, including myself, who are white We have immense privilege simply by the color of our skin. We take that privilege for granted every day. We are immensely fragile when someone brings up race. We get defensive and say, well, I didn't own slaves or I'm not a racist. We imagine naively that having a quote, black friend means we've done enough. We do not take the threat of white supremacy as a serious problem because we don't see it as a threat to our own personal well-being. We do not hold the people in our sphere of influence accountable for holding to white supremacist views or for supporting political candidates who are candidly racist. We do not advocate with our privilege for true equity for all Americans as strongly as we should when it comes to education, access to health care, affordable housing, equitable income, fair criminal justice, ending police violence, mass incarceration, and so much more, we ignore the true history of this nation, which was built on the back of the abduction and enslavement of Africans, and the genocide and land theft. The first Americans. We ask black folks how we can do better before we were ready to do our own work. We fail to ask why black and Latino folks during this pandemic were less likely to have the privilege of working from home. We're less likely to be insured, more likely to live in trauma care deserts, more likely the lack of access to advanced emergency care. And we fail to understand that we are complicit in societal racism simply because we are a part of society. And that it is not enough to be not racist, which is passive. We must be actively anti-racist. Do you want to be made well? That is the question that shouts to us from our text this morning. Do you want to be made well? I received this message from a black clergy colleague on Monday, two days after the events in Buffalo. And they write, I'm making an appeal, this went to several white colleges. I'm making an appeal to you for myself. I feel hunted, like the person in the car at the shopping center who beckons me to cross might actually run me over. I feel hunted like members of my own faith tradition want me to be silent or dead. I feel like folks who laid hands on me at my ordination would fold their hands if someone chose to attack me. I see a Trump sticker and translate, they hate me. I see the American flag in a truck, and it feels like a weapon. After Saturday and the events in Buffalo, I'm paranoid, distracted, and obsessed with who wants to kill me. I'm also consumed with the burden of those black people around the country who witnessed violence at one moment and return to work, school, life, and are expected to perform and show up like they didn't just witness open. The children of Buffalo had to go to school this week, and if they didn't, they would lose out on education that puts them slash keeps them on the low end of achievement because somebody decided to kill black people shopping for groceries on a Saturday This colleague continues and says, I'm shaking, my anxiety is through the roof, my paranoia is unreal, God is with me, and together I think we're both like, what the? What do you need is the question to ask every black person you know. We will probably say we don't know, but ask anyway, and keep asking And when when we tell you to step up, organize, and make it happen, then do it. Here's what we need. We need our white allies and freedom fighters to publicly proclaim, I renounce white replacement theory. I renounce white supremacy. I renounce the killing of black people in every form. I don't need you to be quiet about it or put it in a note. I need you to be loud about it, loud enough for your children and your elders to hear it. Put it in the newspaper, as if someone reads it. Put it on a billboard with signatures. Hold a press conference. Do whatever it takes because that's the only way I can find solace in knowing who is not out to kill me. I'm not sure those of us who are white have any idea what it is like to be black in this country, or at least I'll say that for me. We are proud to wave the flag, proud to talk about the Constitution and all men made created equal. We're proud to proclaim ourselves as the greatest nation that ever existed. On this planet. And while there may be true parts of that, so, so much of that is built on a lie. And I really don't, friends, know where else to go with this sermon except to echo the words of Jesus to the man in our text this morning. If you want to be made well, white people, then stand up. If you want to be truly a force for equality, then stand up. If you're ready to go beyond not-racist to being actively anti-racist, then stand up. If you don't know what to do but know that something needs to be done, then stand up. If you renounce white replacement theory, stand up. If you renounce white supremacy, stand up. If you renounce the killing of black people in every form, stand up. And When we finally get to that place, friends, where there is true equity and equality in the land, where black folks who go to school, get groceries, drive a car, or simply cross the street in peace, where the dream of MLK has come into being, and where we live up to those great words of our founders, that we hold these truths Self-evident that all humans are created equal—that it might be finally true and able to be said of our land. Now that day was a Sabbath. Nah. Amen. 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 Maybe so.